Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to The Reason We Learn. I am Deb Pillman, your host, and this is the channel where we discuss all things related to education. Um, if this is your first I'm time, your host, channel. and this is the channel where we discuss all things related to education. Uh, if this is your first time, we have, we have an echo on the channel. One moment, please. We have an echo on the channel. One moment, please. Dr. Payne, can you turn your sound off? It's coming through. Okay, thank you. Um, can you hear me? Can you? No, the sound on your computer to the channel. That. Hello, <laughs> Dr. Ping. The the if you had YouTube pulled up, you need to mute YouTube, not this. Can you? Can you hear me? It's if you have YouTube open. Well, I'll continue. Hopefully, we will resolve this technical issue. Um, so if it is your first time at the channel, I hope you will consider subscribing. Um, I produce content like this with live interviews a couple times a week, as well as original content related to education and what's going on with it and what our kids are and are not getting, the good, the bad, and the ugly and what we can do to improve it, hopefully. So to that end, I've invited Dr. Ping here because he is working on the last bit of that. Dr. Ping grew up in China during the Cultural Revolution. After graduating from college, he went to Canada for his graduate studies in electrical engineering. In 1995, he moved to Indianapolis to work as a senior engineer and later became a U.S. citizen. He became a high school math teacher in 2011 after retiring from engineering and starting to notice problems in America. Uh, he started then to notice problems in America's education system. In 2018, he started a nonprofit organization, uh, Pima, I think it's called. Um, um, Poyam. Poem, okay, Poema Institute. Poem. Okay, mm. to research and promote alternative education models. In September 2021, he started a YouTube channel, Taking Back Education, to expose the harms the K 12 schools are doing to their students, similar to what I'm doing, mm -hmm. and to help parents take back their children's education. He's also, and I really want you to write this down, he is the author of a book, Our Children Are Not Prepared. And there is a link to the book in the description section where you can purchase it. He also has an article um, on his uh, Patreon that I think is well worth a read. I've linked to it as well. It's called Education 4.0, Transforming Students to Masters Instead of Slaves. So I hope you will consider reading both of those. In the meantime, everyone, please hit the like button, share this broadcast so we can get more people involved in the conversation. And let's continue. Welcome, Dr. Ping. Well, thank you for having me on, on your show. You're so welcome. So I think one of the questions we Americans all have is, what was it like growing up during the Cultural Revolution for you? That's one of the first questions I have. Right. Well, uh, uh, during the Cultural Revolution, basically what I felt is, first of all, uh, my uh, my dad was uh, uh, put in prison because he was uh, a party official. And uh, Chairman Mao basically overthrew uh, the whole party hierarchy. And, uh, and also, of course, illegally imprisoned the, back then the, the president uh, of China. Um, so, so I was kind of in a way traumatized by that experience because we have to, basically we get uh, kicked out of our apartment 
and uh, we have to move to a countryside uh, and uh, live in a mud house for about a couple of years before my uh, dad was reinstalled um, back to her his original position. Um, so, but the other thing I, I experienced is really uh, something called uh, education revolution. Mm. Uh, so we started a cultural revolution. Then a couple of years later, during the first two years, the, uh, all school are closed. And then when school opened up, we have to go through this uh, so-called educa education revolution. And that's where uh, very uh, similar to what uh, we see now in America. So basically all the... Like the uh, pandemic closed schools for two years and then <laughs> a little more subtle, but not really. Mm. It's really come down to it. it's like when we start. I started school uh, when I was about seven. That was a time um, like all the old textbooks were uh, destroyed. Basically, everything is new, um, and so I mean it, it's really focused on indoctrination. Like the first thing we learned uh, is uh, "Long live Chairman Mao, Long live the uh, Chinese Communist Party." So everything is about politics. And uh, uh, we were told to raise our class consciousness, that, which means that we have to look uh, our surroundings, our friends, our classmates, our families through the lens of classes. You know, I'm, I'm, I belong to this class, you belong to that class. So there is a conflict between classes. So it's always about that power struggle, um, which is what kind of similar what's going on now, um, you know, between the, you know, the CRT, the, the power struggle between the white and black. Um, uh, so that's, what, that's when uh, I start to hear about uh, uh, critical race theory and diversity, equity, inclusion, I just, very familiar to me and that's that's actually the time uh actually is uh last may i started to do something about it I started to write articles to basically uh trying to raise awareness that uh this had happened before uh and uh, we just cannot allow this to happen in our especially k-12 schools um and i mean Otherwise, we, we, we could experience the same thing or what happened in China. Right. Now, I do. Have, I've always wondered, um, how did they at the time uh, explain or did they why, you, you know, school children had to learn different things? Or You mentioned raising class consciousness. You had to do that. But were the parents at the time, um, you know, up in arms and they didn't like it, they just didn't have the power to change it? Or did they think, well, maybe this is good. This sounds okay. I think I like this. Well, no, actually the parents were, uh, were afraid of us because uh, they were afraid that we could report them. Uh, we can report them. We, we have something called political officers uh, back then in school, you know, just kind of, just like the DEI officers now in many school mm, districts. That's what so they we, are. <laughs> we could report to them about what our parents said, and then that will good, get our parents in trouble. Uh, yeah. So back then, like uh, uh, we are talking about, uh, there is something called uh, four O's. Uh, so O thoughts, O 
um, <coughs> sorry, old thoughts, old habits, old customs, uh, and old culture. Mm-hmm. So, so basically everything uh, be- before the Communist Party took over China are considered old. And so that those things has to be destroyed and has to be purged. And because our parents were born before that, before the communists took over uh, China, so therefore they have all those old things and that needs to be purged. So, uh, and uh, if we report uh, on our parents, then they will be forced to go through something called the re-education. So uh, it's kind of like, in a way, like what's, what is happening now in America, if you say something, um, people think that is, uh, you know, not the right thing to say, then you have to take some kind of training, right? These are cultural uh, sensitive uh, or responsive training or something like that. But in China, of course, it can go a lot worse because uh, that could put our uh, parents in, in prison. So the so the grown ups are, are really kind of scared of us, and and also our teachers because we can report on our teachers too. Right, and do you see similar things? I mean, you just mentioned about DEI officers and so forth. Do you see the teachers today in the same situation that some of them are scared mm-hmm. of what's going on? Because I mean, I, I've spoken to some, and they say they're afraid, not so much of going to prison, obviously, but of losing their jobs, right, and of just being harassed and called names and so forth. Um, now what I also find fascinating, and I wonder if it's just a cultural difference, um, because in the United States, we have a history of individual liberty and I, it's my understanding that in China, even before Mao, there was more of a sense of duty, more of a duty culture, less of a, you know, my personal individual rights or what come first, even though you had more rights than when Mao came in, it wasn't quite the same with the constitution bill of rights, et cetera. And so what I'm wondering is. Are they doing exactly the same things, but using those freedoms and, you know, like freedom of speech, for example, and twisting words around and calling things nice things that sound good mm-hmm. to it basically implement Maoism? I mean, implement the same concepts, but in a culture where people would be naturally resistant to someone coming in and saying, literally everything old is bad and rat out your parents. Like they couldn't come in and directly say these things in our culture because that'd be turning the heat up too fast. But it seems like, I wonder if they've learned from the, from Mao's cultural revolution and said, okay, we have to do it a little differently. We have to be a little sneakier. (laughs) That's what it seems like to me is they're doing things just like you describe. I can sit there and go, yep, that's this, that, you know, decolonize, deconstruct, you know, but they're using very nice words to make yeah. it sound like parents are going, well, yeah, what's wrong with that? Right. Yeah. Like they use words like, uh, uh, you know, diversity, right. And inclusion and the social emotional learning, things like that is sounds good, but they definitely came from the same, uh, what they call that the same blueprint or, uh, and actually, I spent a couple months uh, last summer to figure out what is the root of uh, critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, so I kind of traced back to uh, uh, Antonio Gramsci. Gramsci, yeah. Yeah, uh, who was called the father of, you know, 
cultural Marxism. So basically, he was saying like uh, um, he actually did some soul searching um, because um, Marxism same the theory didn't really work with a with a reality because according to Marx, communism should. Uh, 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 should take power in highly industrialized uh, countries like Germany, like the uh, 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 United Kingdom, but it didn't happen. It happened in Russia, which is really backward uh, country, and of course later on happened in China, which is even more backward. So that's kind of against the Marxist theory. So Gramsci basically said mm, the reason it didn't happen in the West because uh, in the West it's not. Um, not like uh, Russia and China are highly centralized. In the West, you have the cultural institutions that will stop communism. So he he actually identified five uh, cultural institutions, uh, which are family, religion, education, media, and the law. And he says that uh, in order to um, uh, to uh, succeed. In the West, uh, communists have to infiltrate, have to take over those constitutions. And if you look at what's happening now, I think they are they are there. They pretty much, you know, the marriage get destroyed uh, in the West, and and also uh, there are so many Marxists in the higher education. Um, and of course, even you look at entertainment, the Hollywood, all those things are very woke. Uh, so they they pretty much took over uh, all those institutions. So like you said, uh, it, it, uh, it looks like they are using mouse tactics, but the mouse tactics are not invented by him. It's actually way earlier in the 20s and 30s uh, of those so-called cultural Marxism. And that's why uh, Mao started cultural evolution, and it's, it's come from the same, you know, the same uh, uh, blueprint, so to speak. Right. Do you think? Do you think it feeds on itself? In other words, that we it could have gotten this far in the United States if they hadn't been so successful already in education. And the reason I'm asking is that I've met so many people, you know, younger teachers, young adults, even you know, members of the so-called millennial generation. Mm -hmm who seem to be completely ignorant of the Cultural Revolution in Chinese history. They don't know anything about world history. They right. don't even know about Western European history to really fully understand the slave trade. So they, their knowledge of history is so limited so that if you, you bring to them these ideas of we're going to change the world and make it better and it's going to be communist and communism's great, they have literally not learned about the horrors Right. It's not that they it's people always joke around and say, well, has there been really tried? That's sort of the older hippie kind of communists who say that. But younger people, I think, believe it literally never has been tried. Like they don't even know. You say, what about Mao? And they're like, who? You're what right. about Pol Pot? Who's that? Right. Where's Cambodia on a map? You know, right. so the, in other words, they had a certain measure of success in education. And they sort of dumbing us down for you know, 30, 40 years. And then it was just lickety split not hard at all you've now got a whole generation of people who've not been taught anything about it right and all you do is feed them the new food and they think the new food is the only food 
Yeah. Well, it's in a way it's kind of like fashions, right? Every forty years, something will come back <laughs> because the, yeah. the young people you fail to teach the history. Right. The young people just never experienced that. And also, you talk about the sixties hippies. The problem with the well, the problem with those people who tried, uh, who later on became professors, and who are teaching, you know. Those teachers and fit into those kind of ideology to them, yeah. so so somehow they they never give up on that, even though they tried and failed. I mean, it just. I have a theory about that. I mean, it's okay. a combination theory. One part is personality. In other words, there are some people who just absolutely can never admit they're wrong. And I think mm -hmm. a fair number of them make it into positions like professors and, you know, these kinds of positions where they have authority over other people by default, but they don't have to actually produce anything. Right. And the other thing is that because they haven't actually produced anything, most of them haven't worked in the real world. They right. don't, they've never met a payroll, they've never done those things. They have a lot of um, wrong, like incorrect notions about how the real world functions, like how mm. things get from A to Z. Correct. And so everything is theoretical. It's easy to get lost in a theoretical world or to come up with scapegoats. Like it's capitalism's fault. Right. It's yeah. the fault of the industrialists, whatever. Because if they were ever really on the ground in those places and saw all the incentives and all the, you know, how the sausage is made, right. then they might actually say, oh, it's not really that easy is one thing, you know, but they don't. So they can live in their little fantasy world where they're the only thing preventing their toddler-esque fantasy from coming true is those guys I don't understand. It's a kind right. of otherism. Yeah, exactly. I mean, a lot of those uh, uh, professors, just like you said, they never lived in the real world. They, they live in their own, you know, bubbles. And, uh, and also... Uh, especially when you're talking about uh, education, talking about philosophy and, and uh, sociology and all that, your theory can never be tried, right? You never actually go there to, to say, okay, this is wrong. <laughs> it's very hard to, to not like a, a natural science, uh, like math and physics, you can try it out pretty quickly to figure out, oh, yeah. that, that didn't work, uh, or that doesn't work. But in, in those kind of things, I mean, it, it's very hard to say, okay, that is wrong. <laughs> well, that we know wrong. because we know that it's unethical to experiment on large numbers of people to test out your social science theory and then come back. Because you, if you, if it doesn't work, you've just ruined the lives of the kids. You can't test it out. But here's what you, if you keep teaching your theory and you keep teaching your theory and you keep acting like, you know, it's great and everything will be great if only my theory were put in place. Right. But I can't experiment and give you data because that would be unethical. So what happens is all the people you've taught. So you they get filled with the like, you know, the image of if only this could be true. They test in real time. They just they go out and they implement it or they go out and they demand it. And that's another place where our freedoms and our ability to vote and things like that. So you have People who've had their their heads filled with largely theoretical concepts and yeah. and fantasies of how things could be so perfect, and also a hatred for the people alleged to have made it not that way. Now they go out and vote. Yeah, and yeah. thus begins the long range test, right. scientific test, and even the very best social scientists. I mean, Jordan Peterson and Brett Weinstein were talking about this on a podcast I listened to. They, if they're responsible, they're really on the scientist side of it. They understand that their theories 
as they can think of all the different potential unintended negative consequences and they still won't get them all because right. human beings are human beings. And right. there are so many motivators for why people make decisions, not just independently, but once they start interacting with each other, that once your theory or your plan hits the ground, it's kind of like war plans, you know, like right. now we got to see what actually happens or over time it morphs. Right. And then when you add government, you add the potential for corruption and all that, too. So it's social science. I think they're teaching it. And then the test is real. People right. latch on to it. Yeah. The, the, I think the the, the things about uh, uh, people who is pushing for those Marxist ideologies is that they are not real scientists. No. The, <laughs> it, it's kind of like religion. It's really come down to. Marxism is a religion, is a secular religion, and uh, in many ways they behave like uh, uh, religious uh, fanatics. Uh, I mean, they are the, the reality. Just uh, they 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 don't really care about reality. So, like Marxism, I mean, I mean, talking about communism, those have been tried in the past many many times, right? They still they don't look at the facts. They still say, "Oh, they didn't they didn't get it right. This time we'll get it right." <laughs> so, yeah, uh -huh. right. and and well, the thing is, they they don't even like in America. They don't even um, practice I mean, experiment in a small scale before they just go for the whole country, right? Mm -hmm. And in a way, there's similar things happening at education. There's many new like so-called innovative education ideologies and methodologies, they never really get tested well. They just kind of implement the whole, you know, at a national level, right? The, the common core and, and everything is, we watch, we're going to just like do it. <laughs> Not really kind of testing well and, 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 and see what happens because they have something they have ideology behind it, and that's the thing. They are not really guided by science or, you know, uh, things like that. Well, now that you mentioned that, and you have a background in math, teaching mm -hmm. of math, You're right? One of the areas I've been concerned with lately, and I'm not uh, full disclosure, I'm not very good at math, and I wasn't a math teacher, but all the more reason I'm very concerned about how right. it's being taught because I think I'm my kind of student or the reason I wasn't good at math is probably attributable to some of these goofy methods, even though I was in school in the seventies um, because it already, the new math and things had already sort of started then. Mm -hmm. So my question for you is, are you seeing some of these things in math education? I'm seeing it, for example, in California's new math framework, they want to implement. I'm seeing it in the use of things like Eureka math, and um, in uh, like New Jersey is using it lot, all, all over the country. They're using Eureka math, which they actually say right up front is about putting equity into math and social justice into math. And you, they, I find it to be very language intensive with kids who haven't learned to read properly. Yeah. And they, they they're pushing that, you know, concept envelope where they keep saying, but we're going to have the kids understand things conceptually and they'll develop a, you know, a wonder and a joy of learning math and they don't need to learn procedural math. And, and, and I'm thinking like, where's the data that this works? Like right. I'm, not, I'm seeing kids math scores go down, down, down. Right. What are you seeing? You Again, I'm not a math expert. What do you see? Well, uh, what when I started teaching, I uh, I, uh, I taught 
at a private college private school. Um, so um, my uh, my main responsibility is to teach calculus, uh, which is a, a AP calculus with the elective. So the kids come to my class. They are you know the, the top students the top in the first students. place. Yeah. Um, but they had a hard time understand uh, the concept of the calculus. And uh, uh, I, uh, after I look into it, uh, so the reason I, f I found that is not because, it's not because they don't understand calculus. It is because they don't understand algebra. So they don't have that fundamental understanding. So from that moment, once I found it, um, I always spend the first two months to go over the base, the concept uh, 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 about algebra. And after that, they can learn calculus. But the thing is, they all have, uh, you know, A's uh, in their grade. And so then I started to notice that the reason they got A's and B's is because the grades uh, has been inflated yeah. so much. Um, and uh, I think people inside the system probably didn't notice because it's gradual. I, I, cannot, I came in right as an outsider. Um, I was an engineer and I got to, to teach. And I, I, that's the first thing I noticed. It, it just doesn't make sense because the grace does not reflect um, how well the student understands the subject. You could like, really don't understand anything. Anything still got A, I mean, and B and A. For example, uh, they got full mark on their homework. And then when they take tests, even though they got everything wrong, they still get uh, half uh, the score. And uh, so if you consider how the things put together, uh, then they can easily get B without understanding what's going on. Yeah. And, and so, and then we keep kind of pushing them, uh, you know, to the next grade, to the next grade. So when they actually reach the the senior years, they are so behind. And but they still can graduate with like uh, very high GPA. And then when they go to college, they cannot take college uh, level classes, so they have to take mm -hmm. remedial classes. Uh, so that's the first thing I found. I say this is not right because. Really, we are lying to the parents, right? The parents look at school, uh, the grades, look at oh, that, that, that's nice, get B's and A's, but they mm -hmm. did not understand that um, the grades has been inflated. So, so that's one the first thing I I noticed, and second thing I noticed is how the mass was taught, and it's everything is focused on how to solve a problem instead of why. Uh, you know, why you solve the problem in that way. Um, like why do you need the right answer? They seem very unconcerned with the correct answer also, I'm noticing. Like they'll teach four or five different strategies for doing the problem. But then even if the child gets the problem wrong, as long as they can sort of show that they understand the strategies that they will get an A. And I always thought in math, it is, especially you're an engineer, like you need the right answer. Right. It, yeah. it kind of matters. Yeah. <laughs> Bridges are going to start falling down. <laughs> <laughs> right. Definitely. I mean, that's the hard fact, right? You have to get it right. But the thing is, like, uh, uh, I think the way we teach math is not really teach, shouldn't mean we definitely teach them like the 
the process, how to get there, right? Um, but we also need to teach them like the why's behind it, right? Why we do it this way? Uh, why we do it not the other way? Well, maybe there are different ways of doing solving a problem, but we don't teach the why anymore. Uh, everything is just like, uh, well, that was back, uh, it's about 10 years ago now, is everything fo focused on uh, how to do it. So the, so the so students, they memorize how to do it just for passing a test. And then after that, they just forgot it because they never really understand it. But now even worse, like you mentioned, they don't even care about to get the right answer. They don't, yeah, it, 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 it definitely, it, it, once the CRT and uh, things get into school, everything just take a, you know, a, a nose dive and that's why we see the the test scores have become so bad now right and i and i feel like especially having read some of the people you're talking about as far as um their ideas you know postmodernists and you know the the people even just thinking about things like gender where they talk about all of reality is a construct you know i mean they, yeah, they, yeah. they actually put that into words well it seems to me if you really want that philosophy to take hold you have to attack math and science because those are the two areas that have, are the most focused on objective reality. Right. Yeah. You know, there's there is a right answer, and there is a, a process of scientific inquiry that is supposed to be devoted to objective reality. Right. And and results and so forth, and not just you know the process. Well, I found the process. I'm not you know a process. Just however I made it up. Never mind the inputs being correct or anything. So I. I think it's an it's a direct assault on reality. It is, and also that's part of the plan. I mean, at the first, I, I don't quite understand why we purposely dumbing down the students, and that's that's not new, right? That's yeah. has been there for several decades. Um, uh, I think I was really uh, uh, enlightened by uh, John Gato's book. Mm. talking about dumbing down and all that. He has seen that for, for a long time. Mm -hmm. um, at the first, I thought, okay, maybe something's wrong. Uh, something's wrong. I mean, definitely we have something wrong with our system, but I thought that's something, uh, you know, that's uh, something's broken, right? right? And you have this. But it turns out that I think I come to realization that it was done on purpose, the mm. whole dumbing down process, because that would just prepare them now to uh, push down this woke ideology and say, okay, uh, everything this society for, because now you don't have any skill. So you, you, you go to the real world without any skill, what are you going to do? You're going to blame on the society, right? And you can easily turn you into the called um, uh, social justice, you know, activist or social mm -hmm. justice warriors. Yeah, during the Cultural Revolution, those are the red guards. I mean, it's been something, everything is wrong. The society needs to be, you know, uh, turned upside down. Right. But by dumbing down the students, then they don't have a good skill. They couldn't survive in the real world. And that's easily can turn them into, uh, you know, communists. Now, in well, in, in Mao's China, though, I mean, you had the first two years with no school, and then the schools came back and they were teaching all of the, you know, Chairman Mao's preferred things. Were they, were they 
um, waging a war on knowledge too? I mean, not, not just the four olds, but like, did they teach math and science? Did they, I mean, did they, or, or no, no did they no. also want a, an ignorant population? Yeah. I mean, everything is about political. I mean, everything is to, you know, uh, uh, um, in China, it's called the rat. So it has to be rat, which means that you are, you have this class consciousness, right? I mean, and uh, you are trying to change the world. It's always like change the world for the better and, and uh, for the communist utopia, right? Everybody's equal. And that's what the equity is, the equal outcome. So mm -hmm. when I heard about equity, that's like, that is communism. And I was surprised that a lot of um, uh, politicians and a lot of school administrations um, just take it without even questioning what it is. I mean, to me, just so, so obvious. Since mm -hmm. when do we do we want to have equal outcome exactly. as, a, as a country? Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and they play with the words. They'll say, "Oh, that's not what we're saying. We're saying it's equality plus fairness." And then when you ask them, well, who gets to define what fairness is and what do you mean by fairness? Right. And then it comes out. It comes out with, well, that people have students are given the supports they need to come out in the same place as if that's possible, as if all right. that's missing are the right supports. And it's like, or maybe people are different, you know, <laughs> like yeah. they don't seem to entertain the notion or accept it at all. In fact, they will tell you straight up that you're a bigot. If you even suggest that human beings are born different, that we're not meant to have the same outcomes in any respect, nor do we really even want to. <laughs> right. I don't, I don't necessarily want to be an expert at calculus. I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm good at other things. And that's what makes the world possible we have to be good at different things otherwise just like there are different kinds of plants and animals and, right. and things i mean you know, it, things i don't know any place in nature where sameness exists or works <laughs> well that's the kind of thing like uh, there is a contradiction right i mean even in the three words uh diversity yes they cancel each other and they just yeah they are not going together and yeah. uh, like you said yeah we, we actually don't even want to have the same, right? I have I have two children, they're all grown up. Uh, one is an engineer, one wants to be a voice actor. They don't want to be the same. <laughs> no, no. And, it, and you know, it's, I mean, I was saying I have three children and they're very different. And I mean, it's, you know, I, I and I, I think what we're, the message we're almost sending to children when we focus on equity is, that if you don't end up in the same place, that's bad. So that's thing for the first one. And second, you know, as your peers, secondly, look around for, find someone to blame for that right. instead of realizing that, you know, we're, um, you know, it's Robert Pondiscia was on here the other day and he had a great quote. He said, are we trying to use our children or something like, are we trying to use our children to change the world or teach our children, you know, um, change the world for them? Or are we trying to help them live in the world that is? And it right. feels like we're not only trying to change the world, but we're trying to use them to change the world. Yeah. Well, they, they actually didn't hide for that. Like my, yeah. uh, when my wife went to IU Bloomington uh, school education for her graduate study and her professors just told them that their job is to make social activists as teachers. So, I mean, 
it's there. I mean, they, 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 wow. they yeah, just said it straight out. Like your job is to turn the students into the social justice activists. Right. Yeah. Because they do want to, you know, they wanted the students to, I mean, if you look at what even what's saying now to the students, basically they want to build a better world, right? Uh, more equitable and sustainable and uh, whatever, uh, a nice world. And they want the students to be the activists, the students be, be the changing agents. So they didn't even hide it. I mean, they never did. It's just something like, I think as parents uh, and also as teachers, we just didn't take that as serious. Right. And they're taking advantage of a student being, you know, young and ignorant. They haven't learned things yet, right. as just a matter of fact, uh, being more given to emotion, their rational brain is not fully developed. Um, the natural desire to please the adults that are around them. Um, possibly their parents have even told them explicitly, listen to the teacher. So they're, I think to, the whole thing to me feels exploitative and the methodology they're using is very cult-like. Oh yeah, definitely. So, yeah. yeah. In a way that um, uh, uh, I like to say that uh, Marxism is a Christian cult. Uh, because it does, uh, based on the Christian ethics, right? Altruism. Uh, yeah, and and also uh, our goal uh, is the next life. We have this new world, right? Uh, new heaven, new earth, and everybody is there. I mean, we we all, you know, brothers and sisters. Uh, uh, but the 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 communist wants to build a, a heaven on earth without God. Um, but that we know it turns into hell on earth. But a lot of things they use is really uh, based on like, I mean, uh, when we teach our kids, my, our kids grew up in church, right? You teach them to be fair. You teach them to take care about the, the poor and care about the, um, uh, you know, um, that's something we definitely need to do as, uh, as Christians. Um, but the Marxism kind of twisted that mm -hmm. uh, into that it's no longer is done voluntarily by individuals. It was mm -hmm. done by the government by, you know, to force something into uh, this so-called fairness, right? right? I mean, and that's why kind of our, uh, the young kids kind of, uh, it's easy for them to fall into it because they are, uh, in a way, they are um, hijacking the terms that we teach them early on, right? To be fair, to be considerate, yeah, to be um, uh, to have the empathy and all of that. But they they, they 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 use those words but twisted the meaning of that. So right. to them, the fairness is different from what we are teaching our kids, right? And even the word justice, their justice is different from what uh, our understanding of justice is. Right. So right. their justice is the same thing. It's like everybody should be the equal. So, well, if, it would be like saying everything is unjust unless it's the way I want it. It's a toddler's right. point of view. Right. <laughs> not fair. This right? isn't fair. It's, it's not because it's yeah. not what I want. I mean, right. well, that's not the definition of fairness at all. No, no, it's not. It, and also we have to realize, I think there's something now we have to teach our children uh, that about the personal uh, uh, 
like individual rights, the personal mm-hmm. properties and personal sovereignty. I mean, it's nice to help someone, but if someone force you to help someone, then that is evil, right? I mean, yeah. that's... <laughs> yeah, it, it literally is. And, and that's why I think you're right that they've done is sort of co-opted the, um, the, the sort of cultural ethic that, right. that we have as, as people who come from a Judeo-Christian um, you know, background, right. which is... I mean, even if you aren't Jewish or aren't Christian, whatever, the country was sort of the, the declaration, all these things are sort of have that ethic kind of worked right. in there. Yeah. At the same time, though, um, there there's no grace. There's no redemption. There's no potential for, you know, just going your own way. Like even in Christianity, it's, you know, love the sinner, hate the sin, you know, right. so you don't if somebody's different from you or somebody disagrees with you or somebody doesn't believe you don't hate them or force them. And that's not to say that we haven't had inquisitions in the past, right? The right. Spanish inquisitions. So throughout history, there have been even Christian cults. Like there have been, yeah. you know, cults that have taken those same ideals, even with keeping the God concept mm-hmm. and made it absolute and tyrannical. What right. they've just done is I think they've capitalized on a gap because we've become very secular as a nation. And so especially our young people are missing some kind of, something to believe in, something to right. feel like they belong, you know, what's the point of all this? So I think they've captured that whole and then blended it with the ethic that we all, even secularists, like raise our kids to be, like you said, fair and all that. Yeah. And they kind of mushed it together, but using that cult-like idea where yeah. we're going to take away all potential for being a good person without these ideas. Like if you don't subscribe to these ideas, you are bad. Right. You're racist, yeah. you're homophobic, yeah. you're trans, you're all the obics and the ists. Yes, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, they're not definitely not trying to reason with you. They are yeah. trying to, you know, if you are not with us, then you are against us. So you must right. be bad people. <laughs> and it didn't help that we had some leaders who had said words exactly like that, that injected that into the culture. In other words, right. along the way, I think they got lucky in many respects, in the sense that even people who, if you sat down with them and talked to them about these ideas, would say, I reject that out of hand. I think that's terrible, et cetera. And yet they don't realize they were still using in political spheres and even in educational spheres, they were still using the language of this kind of totalitarianism. Mm-hmm. When you use terms like words are violence, when you use word, when you use terms like you're either with us or against us, that kind of works its way into the culture and you end up with this kind of tribalism and you end up with Will Smith hitting someone at the Oscars mm-hmm. because they told a joke mm-hmm. and everyone accepting it and him going back to his seat because it's just been a slow drip right. of, you know, these concepts even coming out of the mouths of people who aren't specifically woke. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, definitely there, there is a, 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 a culture, right? Especially in the entertainment. A lot of times those ideologies would come to us through entertainment without we knowing it mm-hmm. and uh, somehow we're just accepting it and without questioning it so i, I think uh, I, I i really like what uh, on your website you talk about the purpose of education is to develop the capacity for reason mm-hmm. i mean definitely that 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 is how people how to reason the especially student to learn how to how to reason right mm-hmm. to figure out if this is right or wrong, I mean, why is that right or wrong? And now most of uh, 
Americans, especially the young people, they are based on their feelings mm -hmm. instead of, you know, based on some kind certain principles. They don't even know what that those principles are anymore because we don't teach them, right? Uh, that's a, a, a one of the a problems with our our education system. We really don't teach them how to reason. It's always like you memorize this, then you you pass a test. You memorize mm -hmm. this, you pass a test, and it doesn't matter if you forgot everything the next year. And we we keep saying this. Like, I mean, I remember like uh, when I started teaching, everybody's talking about this. After the summer, people will forget about things. I mean, why is that, right? If they forgot about anything, that's because they didn't really understand it. But we, we just don't really, uh, we're still doing the same thing without actually trying to make any change. But right. of course, later on, we realize that uh, the system is, in a way, the system we have now is beyond fixing. Um, as parents, we have to do something different, like what you did. Um, Homeschooling is definitely people have that um, uh, um, are able to do that. Definitely um, homeschool or home educate their kids, and or you can look into like uh, some small schools and all that. Unfortunately, nowadays many private schools suffer the same thing from the public schools because the same structure, right? The same hierarchy. Uh, one of, it can be worse, uh, yeah, <laughs> as, we've, as we've seen. Right, and I think the the, the fundamental flaw of uh, both public and ad, private education is because uh, nobody in the system has any stake on the future success of the students. Right. So, right, they just once they graduate, that's gone. Whether or not they make it, it doesn't. So I keep work. telling parents, what kind of person do you want coming home to Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> like you have a vested interest in what this person is going to be. That education is get, it's an intangible. It's up here right. for the rest of their lives. And you obviously want to have a relationship with your children well into, you know, your ad advanced years and until you die. So right. and, be sure you like them. Right. And it's hard to have a relationship when you uh, let someone else, especially in, in a school setting, right? You don't really spend time with them. Like as homeschool mom, you understand that's how you build up the connection, right? Mm -hmm. That's how you build up the, uh, the, the, how to say, uh, the the tie, right? The family and, tie and trust and too. The trust, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things when I was teaching uh, 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 at the private school, uh, actually did a survey. This is actually Christian. Uh, private college prep school. Uh, on my senior class, I, I, I took a kind of informal uh, survey. I said, okay, if you had to make a decision, like life-changing decision, uh, who do you talk to? And out of the whole class, only one person said she's going to talk to her mom. And the rest said, I'm talking to my best friend. Okay. Now, your best friend probably don't even know much about <laughs> those kind of things. You shouldn't, right? But that's the thing. It has been in the school environment since, you know, uh, pre-K. 
so they never actually got time really to develop that kind of trust and that kind of relationship with their parents. And then, yeah. That's hard. And, and, and it, it, it does happen. I mean, even, um, even with parents who, you know, work hard at trying to keep in contact with their kids, whatever, like, as you said, it's hard to make up for eight hours a day when another adult is, or other adults are primary. And especially when those other adults are violating the boundary in the first place, because what right. we're seeing now is they're not just spending time with them and teaching them academic subjects. They are violating their personal boundaries. They're attempting to separate the children from the parents. They are telling the children that if their parents don't agree with them, that the parents are oppressive. Right. So it's very similar to Mao, where it's like mistrust your parents, report on your parents, your parents don't have your best interests at heart, but we do and we'll keep your secrets. It's not only the behavior of groomers, but it's the behavior, uh, it's behavior of cults and it's the behavior of what, you know, what they did, it seems to me, in, in you know when you were a kid in Mao's China, because how else would children be persuaded to rat out their parents or they could possibly be killed or go to jail. You have to somehow tell the children that the parents are dangerous for them. Right. So, uh, and yeah. And, and also because Mao wants us to build a new China, right? So anything in a way has to be pushed aside. And, uh, and that's kind of a uh, communist ideology or maybe the, the uh, psychology is that uh, you have to destroy things to build a new thing. Right. Right. You have to, uh, they said, in order to make omelet, you have to break some eggs. So you want to build something good, you have to, you know, destroy something. Except, uh, except the analogy doesn't work that great because what they're taking <laughs> is they're taking a perfectly edible omelet. Okay. And yeah. they're saying, I'm really, really hungry. In fact, I'm starving and I have an omelet in front of me, but, but you know, I don't, I don't really like this particular kind of omelet. It's like got herbs and I don't, I don't really like that. So I want a different omelet. So even though I'm starving, I'm going to throw this omelet in the trash and then I'm going to go have to figure out how to make eggs. Cause I don't know where they come from. Exactly. Do you guys know where <laughs> eggs come from? I'm not really sure. Maybe we'll have to figure that out. We got to make the ingredients for the omelet to then make a brand new, perfect, wonderful oozing with cheese delicious omelet that we really really want to eat uh, but first we got to destroy the omelet that's perfectly edible <laughs> yeah that makes total sense yeah well now that's what it. yeah that's, that's what they're doing right that's basically marxist ideology that's how they look at things is yeah. that uh they believe that the new society has to come from the ruins of the current society i mean that's basically is what uh, in a way, that's what Revelation, right? Talking about the the the, the new heaven and earth, and the, what we know today, it will be destroyed, right? Do you and think most of the people yeah. doing this believe this like the way people believe in a religion, or do you think there are a, a hefty number of cynics who are using it and using weak people, weak-minded people, mentally ill people? Um, depressed, you know, whatever to who might latch on to these ideas because they just want to take advantage of them after they get all the power. Right. Well, I think both. You I mean you do have some people who sincerely believe in that. Like we talk about the Antonio Gram uh, uh, Gramsci, right? He was put in prison for many years and he died basically in prison. He, he so to 
I tr truly believe that he really, really believed in that ideology. He truly believed that he wants to build a new world. And also like both my parents were communists and they were willing to die for their uh, belief. So you have that. And also you have people uh, like Stalin, I mean, even Mao, who's just using that for their you know, personal gain. They just want to have a power so they can, it always in, in totalitarian kind of this kind of system, it always the bad people, you know, come to the top. Uh, in in a lot of ways, if you look at the many organizations, I mean, it is common for people who are power hungry, right, to attain that kind of leadership position. I mean, good people normally don't want to <laughs> have that kind of power, right. but there you have people who wants that kind of power, and normally, I mean, if it is a kind of uh, totalitarianism kind of system or dictator kind of system, always bad people come to the top. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, and people definitely will use that. I mean, if you look at the, uh, right now, the whole diversity equity things, I mean, there are many, uh, we call that race ha uh, hasslers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are actually making big bucks. Out of yeah, <laughs> they are. Uh, DEI is a huge business. They make a fortune. And I feel like they're having a laugh at us. In other words, you know, they're making a ton of money. And meanwhile, many of them, as you pointed out, are secretly going, isn't this great? I'm making bank while I'm tearing their entire society apart. Like, right. There's yeah. almost like a revenge component, too. <laughs> yeah, I mean. I mean, you look at like Ibram uh, uh, Kennedy, right? He wrote a book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, right? He's basically saying like, I mean, so capitalism is bad. So he said that uh, racism, is uh, racism is capitalist, capitalism is racist. So they were born together and they will die together. So basically he wanted to destroy ca uh, capitalist capitalism but says the man who charges twenty thousand dollars for 20 minutes of speaking <laughs> yeah he, he definitely yeah he, he definitely wants to destroy capital or, yeah and it's it's working i mean we, we you know he wanted a a federal department of uh equity or whatever it was he wanted a cabinet level position anti-racism anti-racism yeah. that's it and mm -hmm. washington state just announced that at least one one school district there they're going to they've openly admitted that they're going to discipline the students based on their race Oh. They're going to discipline them differently based on race, which is obviously a violation of, you know, the Civil Rights Act and violation of the Constitution. Right. But um, they don't seem to have any shame about it. It's like the Constitution doesn't matter anymore at all, which we probably know already. But um, that's already happening. His That's yeah. Kendiism in practice. Exactly. Definitely. So. And, and the, 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 this has been happened in the past probably uh, a decade at least, but in more subtle way, is because a lot of public schools, they have the quota yep. based on the race. Mm -hmm. So therefore, they, when you get to your quota, then you are not going to discipline uh, right. a student which have that in that race, right? right. So in a way, they already- um, And the students know it. The right. Students know it and yeah. exploit it so you know because that <laughs> it's what people do people are given to violence people are given to crime people are given to behaving badly as you point out they look for ways to exploit that to do it more it's not like 
they're they're suddenly say, oh, you know, I won't get a harsh punishment. I think I won't be bad. It doesn't work like that. That's not human nature. That's the other thing that these um, people who who support these ideologies completely dismiss is a concept of human nature. They absolutely write it off. That doesn't exist. Um, you have the you know the scientist was it Wilson um, who recently died who was who wrote the definitive work I guess on human nature and mm. was then recently branded a racist or maybe he was at the time too but now it's just like okay. we can't even talk about him because there's no such thing you're like a blank slate this is all communism I mean this this is all the same idea yeah well that's actually is uh, uh, the comp I mean definitely it is not invented by communism but before that but the, the, in, in it's those for like uh, uh, in the past we call the the, the the social reformers and all that right and they they do believe that uh, they can change human nature through education right uh, that's the whole thing about the communism is mm -hmm. socialism is that uh, well right now people are kind of selfish but we can educate them we can make them to be unselfish <laughs> and that's why yeah we can kill 100 million of them you know, who, who have a selfish impulse like i'd like to eat and not die so i'm gonna eat right. this food yeah let's, um when I was in school, that, yeah when i was in school that's what we've been taught right you have to be unselfish you have to contribute to the society you mean all that but <laughs> we are still selfish the human nature <laughs> It's, I mean, I, you know, we're here to survive and thrive and all that. And it just would be, it, there's rational selfishness and then there's right. selfishness. But it, if you don't allow rational selfishness, you get a whole lot of irrational selfishness. That's why there's more corruption in communist societies, more, you know, like the, the kind of oligarchs and, un, you know, like uh, organized crime, right. things like that is really ugly and pervasive because you're not facilitating the ability to be good. Right. Um, in fact, some of our founders commented that in some of their writings, how they wanted people to be free enough to be able to be virtuous. Right. So yeah, you can't be virtuous right. in a totalitarian system. Right. I mean, if you are being forced to do something good, then that's not good anymore, right? That becomes right. evil. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I do and have a question. How did you, despite that kind of a, a, a school education in the beginning, you obviously got a a wonderful education at some point how did that occur uh well i think uh uh first of all uh i i was good in math in a way so and uh, and the math actually helped me to to think rationally i mean that's what math is you learn math right to think i mean like we call about reason right math right. is about reasoning right uh, inductive reasoning and mostly is deductive reasoning is to think okay why we say this is uh right why we say something's wrong what is be I mean, what's the foundation what's behind it and so so i definitely had a good uh in a way kind of self-learned how to be how to think as a scientist which is based on facts right and based on your reasoning, based on your logic. And then uh, in the 80s, the, the country opened up. So uh, so we know what happened during the Cultural Revolution. So when I was in, when you, during the Cultural Re Revolution, I, I, I just didn't know what's going on. You know, I, just, I just follow whatever uh, they told me what to do in school and all that. But 
uh, once in the 80s, I was in college, I have access to those informations. I started to say, okay, why was kind of considering me? I mean, communism looks good, but why it ends up bad? Uh, so I was thinking about that. I was got in, interested in philosophy and all that. And then I went to Canada for my graduate study, and that's also allowed me to see something I could not get in China. There is more, you know, uh, informations uh, from different sources. Um, so I kind of just, I think it was really uh, because my training uh, in science, which helped me to eventually figure out what is right, what is wrong. Um, right. So yeah. like I said, that's why they're assaulting science and math. They don't yeah. want that to continue. They've got to close that loophole. Right. Um, and you had the good fortune to be in a university in Canada before the woke took over there. Yeah, yeah. Because I have uh, a, I have a friend or a locals member who is a physics professor uh -huh. in Quebec, I believe, or Montreal, maybe. I'm, and right. um, he is, you know, he tells us that this stuff is all over in his university. It is yes. like not even free speech for what he can teach. So. No, no. I mean, fortunately, that was that was the eighties. So. Uh, mm. uh, the Canadian, uh, at least the, the, the university I went to is University of British Columbia and uh, is on the um, West Coast. Mm -hmm. And they still have a lot of uh, like uh, uh, British kind of uh, style kind of education, which is different from Americans. Mm -hmm. Americans' education are more uh, utilitarian. It's more, okay, does that, can you make money out of it? Mm -hmm. uh, well, back there, we're still more focused on the uh, academic kind of curiosity. Like, uh, so I actually had a uh, good training there, and and then because I see what's different now, and I also went to Bible study, and uh, I uh, it took my wife and I five years in you know, Bible study uh, on campus, Bible study group, and talking with you know. Um, uh, uh, people had like PhDs in in physics and chemistry and all that. Um, really talking about through uh, you know, really uh, trying to make sense out of it, like atheism versus theism and uh, Christianity and all that. Um, so, and that actually helped me a lot uh, uh, after become a Christian, and also from that point on really helped me to uh, understand our heritage uh, of the Western culture. Uh, I mean, they are good and bad, right? But still Western culture in terms civilization is still the most advanced. And, and that was influenced basically uh, mostly by uh, uh, Christianity. And uh, so it kind of helped me in that way, in that kind of process to eventually come to what I have today. Uh, mm -hmm. So I, when I was in actually in Canada, I was a liberal. Uh, and uh, just because of medias and all that, I did not realize that time the medias actually are so not only biased, uh, they are really in a way uh, they, uh, what do you call that? There is a, a dishonesty there. Mm -hmm. Like propaganda. Uh, yeah, I mean, bias, we, uh, we understand, right? Everybody has a bias. We, we each one have bias. But um, purposely 
not to uh, report on something because that mm -hmm. against your narrative, then that is dishonesty. Yeah, they have uh, a, an agenda. Yes. Uh, so when I came to America, the first culture shock is that um, uh, that people in Indiana actually love uh, Ronald Reagan. Because when I was in Canada, you all hear bad things about Ronald Reagan, right? I thought that nobody likes Ronald Reagan in America. And then I came to Indiana and saw a street, I mean, a, 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 a highway named after him. <laughs> so that also kind of helped me to think, oh, the Western media actually is also uh, bad in a way. I mean, not as bad as the Chinese media, yeah, <laughs> but it's still, right? Uh, I mean, definitely have the bias, but also they have that uh, um, agendas behind behind what they are trying to push their narratives. Um, so it's kind of the process helped me to um, be able to discern like what is going on here, um, and also where they come from. Right. And and, and unfortunately, we 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 don't teach our, our we don't have that in our education. Um, uh, anymore. I mean, the whole right. like right now, CRT and all that, they are really kind of uh, trying to cancel the Western uh, culture. Yeah. Well, that's something I noticed that you just sat and spoke to us for two or three minutes, extolling, you know, the virtues of Western culture and how it's, you know, more advanced or it's superior or whatever. I can't remember the exact word that you said, but it was something that was good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, <laughs> And yet I think there might be people who would say, but, but you're not of that, you know, cause the woke people want you to stay in your little box of being yeah. Chinese. They don't want you to see yourself as American or right. Canadian or anything right. or Western for certainly right. not as Western. In fact, <laughs> they will tell children born to American born parents, if they can go back, you know, four or five generations and find somebody who came from a supposedly marginalized mm. you know culture or something they'll tell them they're that right and not american even though they're as steeped in western culture as anybody else and i've seen that so much and it's it's very obvious they're trying with the howardson's education project and of course his textbook being used all over the place to this day um they're trying desperately to smear libel i mean it's right. it's not just like reframe western culture or add some negative things about it they're literally engaging in an organized smear campaign to destroy it and and marginalize it um and i just find it so interesting you know when you you obviously want to go the other direction and so what i would love for you to do for the audience is explain a little bit more in you know a few more details why you want to do that. You said because of reason and this, but give us a little bit more about why you think West is worth saving and we shouldn't apologize for that or we should we should push back hard on right. those who say it's bad. Yeah, and, and also I think it really comes down to uh, human nature, right? Uh, we, we definitely are sinners, but also we want to have a better world, right? Something we can live in. Uh, and definitely, uh, we do have the uh, vacuum in our heart, which is God-shaped. We're looking for that, right? Something better. And uh, um, 
And uh, uh, when I was growing up in China, uh, that was very, it's very dictatorship uh, during the Cultural Revolution. Then the China opened up and that kind of gave me uh, the window to do some comparison. I mean, comparison with the Chinese culture and the Western culture. And uh, there is, even uh, I think it's still now that there is uh, uh, one school of thought that is just because you are born Chinese, you, then you shouldn't uh, adapt Western culture. Mm -hmm. Because we want to be like our Chinese, right? We have Chinese characteristics and all that. Sure. Right. Uh, uh, it's more kind of like, uh, in a way, kind of like the, like you said, Kindism. You say, uh, just because we are Black, so therefore we are not going to adopt the Western uh, culture. And that is, I mean, as since I was trained as a scientist, that is, that is against that belief, right? As a scientist, we just take whatever true. It doesn't matter where it comes from. Uh, and, uh, and in the past, every culture is trying to learn from each other, right? And uh, I think something like, uh, like our Chinese do not want to learn from the culture is more recent in the past, maybe 100 and 200 years is more kind of nationalism. We have the national identity and all that. But before that, we don't have that. If you look at Europe, uh, in the uh, in the medieval, uh, even after that, they don't have that national identity. They don't think mm -hmm. of the French or the English. They learn from each other, right? When you once you have something in one country, then every other countries adapt. Once you have, you know, the the printing press, then other countries will take it. It doesn't say, okay, that's this is not ours. We don't want to use it, right? We don't have that. It is really in a way in uh, recently past two hundred years, um, but uh, we we actually need to. Uh, in a way to see the danger of that kind of thought is right. just because your skin color, then therefore you have to stuck in your own culture and, and not really, because that doesn't help, right? I mean, I yeah. compare the Chinese culture at the time and the Western culture. I don't like many things in the Chinese culture. It's so, uh, there's no individuality. I mean, the, uh, before the communists took over, the family is the unit. Everybody yeah. is a member of family. You have to sacrifice everything for the family. Of course, the communists took over. They break that down. There's no family anymore. So you're part of a... Much bigger a, family. Much bigger family, right? <laughs> right. And, and you have to sacrifice everything for that, the common good, right? We have now saying the common good, the community standard, whatever, or the higher good. And... Uh, uh, but... Uh, so, but in the in the West, it's more focused on individualism, and freedom, and liberty, and 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 all that. And uh, I mean, when you make the comparison, I definitely like more about the Western culture. And uh, I had no problem to accept it because I can. First of all, as a training as a scientist, you took what took ever. I mean, scientist has no boundary, right? Scientist has no nationality. Whatever good, just pick it up. I mean, it doesn't matter if it's come from India or China or uh, German. Or, right, or, right. Or it doesn't matter. And right. I think uh, uh, I think that's something we need to also teach our our children, next generation. Don't look at us as 
don't I mean definitely it's, it's good to have a group, but the most important is individuality, right? The individual mm -hmm. freedom, and then on 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 that, then we have the family identity. Fam right now, unfortunately, a lot in America, a lot of families don't have that and that family identity anymore. Right. Um, and because you know, once you send their kids to the government-run school, you you lost that, right? Right. You lost right. that identity, and that's something we need to kind of focus on. And exactly. then on the, that, then you have the community, right? It's right. I mean, and that's now it. that's social media too. Yeah. So even <laughs> if your kids aren't, even if your kids aren't in the schools, I mean, we homeschoolers have to deal with this, and it's one of the reasons I tell people like keep your kids off the social media as long as you possibly can, because that becomes the competition. Mm -hmm. for your family that that there's a weird even though it's disembodied voices or in text um sometimes kids and especially when they're going through those difficult times in the middle grade years and so forth and they want peers and they want that peer interaction but they can get a false sense of in intimacy yeah with people on the internet they wouldn't necessarily get in person and it pulls them even though they're still in the bedroom in your house it pulls them farther away from your values farther away from your trusting you right as the person to go to. Right. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah, that's a danger there. The social media that you become, yeah. in a way, it become a mob, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Kind of mob mentality. Like if you, you, you have to stay with that, you cannot see something, you know, different mm -hmm. uh, or you try something different. I think that's something we, as a, as a Americans in a way is very unique is that, uh, it was funded on a set of principles, mm -hmm. right? It's not just uh, because people got together in the same uh, uh, same geographic area. It's just our, you know, our funding document, the Constitution, uh, which is unique, uh, yeah. and uh, and also in, in what is in unique is that it affirms uh, the individual freedom, liberty, and individual sovereignty, right? right? And then the government is built to protect that, uh, which is different like uh, many other countries. Many other countries is the government is there. <laughs> you are there to contribute to the government. Right. You are there to serve the And government. you just kind of hope they leave you alone and let you do stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, yeah. in some countries, they do. I mean, they've decided that they're going to, you know, give you right rights and so people say well that's a free country and i'm like not without a constitution that like protects those liberties not really no right so like, like in that. china right now there's no such thing as well you have a private property but the government can can take it away yeah you really don't have that you don't have protection of that um yeah and the, right now in america we actually in a way i mean the whole like vogue and you know ideology the whole crt and all that it's actually yeah is moving to that that way right yep. to move towards a totalitarian uh they're government. begging for it yeah they're, they're like beg i mean i saw a poster yesterday on um on twitter somebody had done a graphic with these hands they were like open hands like this with flowers coming out of the hands and it says something like we were you know it's like the dawn of a new day a government that cares about us yeah. or something like that and this is the same group of people who published a book about um 
you know, teaching for changing the world for, you know, a book for social justice educators. And they're all excited and proud of it. And I'm just thinking, you, you know, be careful what you wish for. You really don't either. They do understand what they're asking for. And that's really disturbing or they don't. I mean, there's both disturbing, but or they don't. (laughs) And they're just like under a spell. It's like a, a, you know, mass psychosis. Um, But now we've been, you know, we you and I could probably go on like forever and ever and ever on this topic, but I did promise the audience and you are such a font of knowledge about what we could do about it. So I want to make sure that we go into your work, that what you're doing now, because yeah. with this is all the, everyone listening, this is the background similar. He and I have sort of, I mean, philosophically similar paths in terms of like, wow, what is going on? And then analyzing and figuring it out. But, um, Dr. Ping has, has some very concrete ideas about what to do. So can you tell us what you're working on and what you think about education and what we should be doing instead? Yeah. As you just said, it can't be saved. So what do we do? <laughs> well, uh, I think the current um, public education system that is, um, I mean, we have been trying to reform that, right? Since, I don't know, five decades, at least since the 80s. And we, we put so much... Trillions, trillions are into it, and it's getting worse. So I think we should mm-hmm. come to realization that, uh, well, it won't work. <laughs> it, it cannot be reformed, and mm-hmm. especially uh, the government cannot do that job. Uh, and now we really become the public education. American public education is actually education industrial complex. There are mm-hmm. so many people there trying to make money out of our children. Yes. Uh, so that's become almost impossible uh, to, to change it. Um, I mean, so many mm-hmm. people has the best interest there they don't want to change. Uh, I mean, teachers, for example, teachers union, right? Once, as long as you have teachers union there, it, it's very hard to make any meaningful change. Um, but of, of course, there are other, other people involved. Um, uh, so, uh, so uh, as a scientist, basically, I can look into, well, what is our history of education, where we come from, right? If we don't know where we come from, we are not quite sure uh, where we're going. We just know that right now it doesn't work. But, right. uh, but what, what is, what is a, a, a better way of education? So I look at our human history. If you look at education, we actually went through, in a way, like, uh, three different uh, versions. So that's why I, my name is Education 4.0. It's something new, right? Uh, so when you look at at the first, the first version is that the education is re- was rever- reserved for the elites, for the uh, not only just elites, it's really for, you know, the, uh, the children of the rulers, the ruling class. Right. Then and, private tutors and right. all that stuff. Yeah. So in that version, actually, uh, you got several teachers to serve one student. So, right, you if you think about a prince of a country, a princess, then you got different teachers to teach, and each one are their kind of expert. And then, uh, then uh, then we move on the second version is that. Uh, the smart kids also um, get educated so that they can serve yep. uh, 
the ruling class, right? You have like uh, people are lawyers and accountants mm -hmm. and uh, uh, people have special skills and right. they, they are basically servants. That's That actually came up with the elite class uh, that they are children of those servants and that those servants, uh, because their skills, they they have a good high um, uh, social status, and 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 during that phase, you you can see the private schools like uh, uh, Confucius. He was teaching um, uh, his students. Later on, became you know administrators and uh, exactly working the uh, for uh, for the kings and you know, for the nobles. And and uh, then the third is where after the industrialization, we need the educated uh, mass. Mm -hmm. So on the virtue, so the version one and version two, and uh, the, the mass were not educated and for purpose, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Keep them ignorant so that you can rule them. Right. Uh, yeah. The Jewish, uh, Jewish is a, a, a exception. Because Jewish people, they know uh, they have the Bible, so their kids are always educated. Uh, and you have a literacy test as your rite of passage into adulthood. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> with they, the yeah, right, yeah, right. So they're definitely the exception of the of the norm. Um, and then uh, after industrialization, we need to educate math, and that's where we have those mass education, right? The garment running education. So you are more get into this um, uh, assembly line model. So what mm -hmm. we have right now is really assembly line, right? From grade, from K to twelve, right? And they you know, keep uh, it moving. They keep moving. <laughs> and uh, oh, you can't read. That's fine. Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> and and so if it doesn't fit in the fit in the system, you are the you are the defect, right? You get pushed out. Um, but of course now. They just get everything. They don't even care about defect anymore. <laughs> everything got graduated from high school. Well, they've come up with all kinds of fancy new ways to blame those deficits right. on society, the right. parents, you name it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> never the teachers, never the school. <laughs> Very convenient. So so that's what we have. The uh, version three, right, is mass uh, production. is based on the assembly line model. And also you can see that... Um, uh, in the past, the version one, version two, the teachers are very important. Our teachers are not replaceable, right? You student find the teacher. Um, but once you get to the mass or current version, the student have no choice. I mean, whoever teacher they got, that's what they got. And also yeah. the teachers are replaceable, right? Because they, they they follow the same standard, they they're using the same pretty much the same textbook, and everything you have the, the teacher's guide right to teach you how to teach. So teacher doesn't matter uh, anymore. Teacher become like if you don't like it, you can go somewhere else. They can find some yeah. somewhere in. That's kind of the that's well, basically and, the the and now the, with the woke the stuff, they've they've come up with the t uh, education maybe like three point five, where they say you know what, just close the door and do what you want. As long as you're following these, this ideology. <laughs> so you can have teachers 
like they don't know how to teach math. They don't know how to teach science. They don't have any subject matter expertise at all. They're like, I'll go on the internet and print out some lessons. Right. So it's, it's a hodgepodge. Even after common core, they standardized the standards, but they didn't tell people, here's how you do it. Mm -hmm. Like this is the lesson plan literally that you will use. And even if they did that, we probably wouldn't like that for different mm -hmm. reasons, right. but standardizing standards doesn't tell you how to achieve those standards. Right. And, and also why do we need a standard from the government? Right. Thank you. In the first place, because education <laughs> yes. should conflict be conflict of interest. Right. And, and also you can look at the, the version three, the purpose of education is different. Yes. Yeah, and the the version three, the the purpose of education is to to produce uh, people who can work in the industry. Can you know uh, it it it's it's always uh, in a way it's a servant role. You've been you've been taught how to serve someone, right? Either working in a factory or working in a, a company, you are being prepared to do that. It's not really preparing you to be your own boss or prepare you for you know running your mm -hmm. own business. And mm -hmm. and the, our current system actually, if you have a, a, a entrepreneurial mindset, you don't fit in that system. Mm -hmm. You are you you will be considered a defect, right? Because the whole system teaches you to follow the rule, right? That's that's the whole thing. You've been every day being conditioned. You move from one class to another at a certain, you know, the bell rings, you moved on. And that's the whole thing are not natural in terms of uh, uh, children's mental development, in terms of children's learning, right? We, I mean, we know that when we learn something, it's based on our interest, right? At that time, it's not, it's on that, it's, not natural to put the time markers there. Like you, you, you do this, then when the bell rings, throw, put down everything, then pick up another subject. Uh, the whole thing. That's the whole like assembly line, like kind of right. those kind of things. Uh, um, it doesn't even. Uh, it's really outdated because nowadays, company do not work like that anymore. Right. When you work in the company, you don't you don't clock <laughs> what you do. Um, but we still have the system. The system is there. It's especially the, the government put a lot of money into it. Uh, and uh, so I think what the new thing is actually a lot of us already like you um, homeschoolings and uh, uh, people started micro schools. Uh, that's kind of experimenting that new version. The new version, first of all, the education purpose of education is different now. The purpose of education is to uh, train our children to become independent, uh, you know, um, how to say that, independent. Entrepren like entrepreneurial and- Right, yeah, yeah. to really think themselves as the master instead right. of servant. Even uh, if they choose to go work for someone else, right. you should still have the mindset that you work for yourself ultimately, that if things exactly. aren't the way you want them, you are adaptable to move on. That exactly. like it's a it's a mutual exchange. It's not if I lose this job, I'm I'm out on the street, you know, like right, it's right. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at the mindset uh in the version three the mindset is that 
your identity is tied up with your profession. Your identity is tied up with the company, right? Mm -hmm. And but in we know that's not right. Mm. Uh, but in version four, is more say okay, you 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 have the liberty to do whatever you want to do, and even if you work for someone, you just there to provide a service. Mm -hmm. Is by based on mutual contract, right? Yeah. And your identity is not tied up with any particular company. You are not going to, you know, way I'm going to retire from this profession. I mean, yes, gold watch, <laughs> right? And also, our identity shouldn't be defined by our profession anyway, right? Mm -hmm. We are not redefined as like engineers and teachers. I mean, we are more than that, right? I think the 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 in in the new model. Uh, uh, we really teach our kids. I mean, and like you mentioned, entrepreneur mindset. Uh, that's kind of uh, I was thinking to build my own school is really focused on that uh, because uh, entrepreneurship teaches you basically you are your own boss, mm -hmm. right? That's what it teaches you, and also teaches you that don't complain. I mean, if something is not working, find a solution, right? Oh my gosh, yes. I mean, if we could just. <laughs> teach our kids that, you know, there's so many things that I remember from being a child, like life isn't fair. Not everyone's going to like you, you know, sticks and stones may break your bones, but names can't hurt you. Mm -hmm. um, all of these things, you know, I, I remember even going to my dad or my grandfather and saying, well, this is, we're gonna, and they'd be like, who promised you a rose garden? Like, you know, that's, that, it, it's, yes, that's life. Life doesn't always work out. My father used to call it the vicissitudes of life, like all best laid plans and things will happen and you have to adapt. And that was so deeply ingrained in my mind mm -hmm. from such a young age from just that was the message that was the mm -hmm. message and I certainly didn't get a competing message at school it's not that they were repeating the same things my dad said mm -hmm. it's they weren't fighting it You're so right. I didn't go to school and have a teacher say oh the world should be more fair to you and you shouldn't right. be traumatized and feel sad so I, it was just, here's your work. Here's what we're doing. Here's the homework. Do it. Go home. Oh, you didn't do your homework. You get an F. You know, I mean, it was very matter of fact. So they weren't competing with my the parental authority saying right, right. this is what character looks like. Mm -hmm. Right. And to be entrepreneurial, as you just mentioned, you do have to focus on certain character traits. Right. Yeah. And that's something like I think we that's something um, student can learn. Right. Mm -hmm. The mindset, the attitude and skills, those you can learn. Um, but I think importantly is to uh, to help them uh to become a, a free person yes right yeah. something like you don't have to rely on a group you can live on your own i mean it's good to have a group but it's always based on you know that's not really your identity right you can i mean that's why we have those free association right i mean if you don't like this group go move to a different group mm -hmm. and get a different group but but still to uh, build that confidence that uh, you are right, right. Uh, I mean, God gave you the talent, and 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 you can be free. You can. They can't even figure out what their God-given talents are in today's schools because they don't have that time. No. To to explore or to do that, and um, one of the questions I wanted to ask you after reading the article about education 4.0 was where you stand on a content-based or knowledge-based curriculum. What I mean by that is um, there's 
fully student-led, like unschooling, where the student decides, even at young ages, like I'm interested in this and the adults merely help them pursue whatever they selected. And then there's sort of the knowledge base where the adults, especially in the early childhood, you know, where you need to learn to read, you need to learn basic mathematics and arithmetic and use that spongy brain when you're little to memorize a lot of foundational facts. And then once you have some core knowledge, then it's more, we expand more from there and like, what do you want to spend more time on? And as you point out, we don't have like a hard time stop on this subject. If you want to dive into Roman history, mm -hmm. because you've now read about that, like, let's go and like to do that. Yeah. So like a blend of the content and the self-directed as opposed to right now in the schools, it's all, it will almost all self-directed or the, the student, the teacher led is more like I assign you things to do. Right. I don't instruct you. Right. Well, I'm actually a, a big fan of classic education. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, so basically, the classic education is called Trivian. They put yeah. it into three uh, uh, phases uh, in terms of child mental development. So the first phase is called grammar, and that's where the kids like love to memorize, mm -hmm. and that's where they should memorize the facts, not opinions, right? The facts. You mean right. the times table? And what happened in this day in history? And, they love uh, knowing things, don't they, yeah. little kids? Yeah. yeah. And uh, so, so that's where you need to focus on. But right now, we don't do that anymore. And a lot of kids are struggling, even high school, even college kids struggling with basic like timetable. They they just never had that. Uh, and and also language, very important, right? I mean, in the uh, in the a lot of classic schools. Uh, they focus on, I mean, you teach Latin. Um, I'm not sure if that's uh, necessary, but I understand why people wants to have that. Um, but that's the same, based on the same principle, like you learn, uh, because Latin is well-defined and uh, in a way that language. So you can learn a lot of things about the grammar side of it. I understand mm -hmm. that part. Um, and read some of the classics you'll ultimately right. read if you want to read them in their original. You can right, right, exactly. And and uh, uh, so you have that. Uh, uh, then the second uh, stage is called logic, and that's where you need to teach them the reasoning part of it. Right, mm -hmm. how to how to think critically, how to make the uh, argument. You know. You know, everything is based on reason. The reason why I say this, it, it is wrong is not by my feelings because I have a reason behind it. Right. Uh, and not like the channel, the reason we learn. Yeah, <laughs> that's, exactly. That's why I called it that. <laughs> I know. I love it. I love it. Right. It definitely teaches them how to how to reason because that basically gives them the tool. Right. Mm -hmm. And then the third uh, uh, stage is rhetoric is that's where they can organize their thoughts, they can express their thoughts, they can, you know, they can uh, be able to uh, defend uh, their thoughts and also persuade, right, people uh, by the reason, uh, all that. I, I think that's actually the good model and that's based on my experience, that fit uh, the kids' uh, developmental stages. Um, so, so definitely the road memories and has a place, but you need to do that as young as, I mean, do that as young. But right. once you get to the uh, the logic step, that's where you can spend time 
mm-hmm. I think the mass is the algebra and geometry is actually a very good tool uh, there. I mean, mm-hmm. so the reason we learn mass actually is not to learn how to do problem, but is to learn the skills, right? Uh, I don't know if you read uh, a Dorothy Sears article, The Lost Tools of Learning. What's it called? The Lost Tools of Learning. I've heard of it. have not read yeah. it. Okay. It's a really good one. Um, so he basically, his main argument is that, uh, that he talked about trivia, but also I think I learned a very important point from her uh, speech is that uh, he said that the subject itself does not really matter. Uh, how to study a subject, the how, the, that the skill to study a subject, that's what matters. Right. Uh, so he's kind of uh, using allergy of like a, a carpenter, right? A carpenter, you can make a stool, you can make a table, um, uh, but when you're doing those, you actually learn how to use your tools. You have the basic set of tools, right? And so right. what you make doesn't matter. Make a table, make a make a uh, uh, a chair. Right. What matters is you 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 develop your skill to make something. Uh, I think that's something. A lot of times, even the uh, classic education. Uh, 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 schools, I mean, called mm-hmm. classic education schools, they promise on that. Is I mean, they're, they're focused on the subject, like the Latin. Well, nothing is good, but the why we learn Latin, right? That's more right. important. Uh, right. Not just memorize the vocabulary. I mean, definitely that's good, but also you learn how to dissect, right? How to right. analyze the sentence structure. And right. uh, so same thing for the math. Same thing, I mean, because we're not going to use it, right? Algebra, right. geometry, so we're not going to use it. But why we learn that? Learn that right. is learn how to reason. We have something. Well, I've, I've spoken with a few people involved in classical education. I think you'll be happy to learn that they see their role in the classical schools where they are operating or influencing as to help the kids understand that the purpose of learning or the reason we learn in addition to the reason component and knowing how to think and all that is to find truth and beauty. Mm-hmm. So the pursuit of truth is a little different than, you know, how do I study a subject? Because you also have a component in there of why, mm-hmm. you know, not all subjects are equally worthy of the, our study. Otherwise we wouldn't have all this postmodernist garbage, right. but we, but we want to pursue and study things because there's a value to them and they do part of why they read the books they read and why they um, focus on even writing cursive is mm-hmm. to emphasize that there is something, there is something called beauty. There is something called truth with a capital T and we have to have discernment and we have to ha- take joy in these things. That gives you your purpose, which a lot of students today I think are missing. So if you go, I tutor. And when I try to explain to my students why I want them to read a wider variety of books and I want them to do better at their writing, even if they're getting an A in school, the question I always get is, but why? I'm getting an A, what difference does it make? The, somebody missed the boat. And I, what I would see in your education 4.0, when it's not an assembly line, teachers have the opportunity to romance the student in other words like show them why knowledge and knowing things deeply and understanding things deeply is you know beautiful fun helps you pursue something of value called truth that Mm -hmm. is more valuable than something else so when they 
get bitten by that bug. And I think they have to be first because how to study, we don't want to become another procedure that they learn. We right. want it to be an inclination, a driven by a desire to learn and cultivating that I think has to start very, very early. Look, t children are born with it. We know they're born with it. Mm -hmm. That's why they gobble up like, give me more info. Right. right, right and right. I think what we do is we come in and arbitrarily drop a wall in front of them and say, no, you have to learn this now. And you have to yeah. learn this now. And it's what we adults want. And all that's gone. All that passion and the world is a beautiful, wonderful place. And I want to learn more. Show me everything. It just fades away. And you even see it in their faces. They just get kind of flat. <laughs> yeah. What well, I mean, yeah, it has to do in a way. I, I think the root of it is like uh, why we give them education, right? Yeah. And uh, so in the Western uh, tradition, we have this called liberal arts. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, education. So the reason we call that liberal arts is basically is with, uh, that, I mean, this is like 2000 years old, right? The tradition is really to teach a free, what basically is what kind of education a free person need, right? Right, And to be free and keep free, right? <laughs> and keep being free and also keep right. your children are free, then what kind of education do you need? Uh, right. So, so that's, I think, uh, uh, I think that's kind of overarching uh, uh, goal, right? And then based on that, we can figure out what can we do to uh, accommodate that. Sure. Uh, and also each person is different. I mean, that's kind of, uh, uh, 4.0, education 4.0 is really uh, focused on each individual uh, because each one, their development uh, is different, right? So like group people by age is really not good. Um, you really, I mean, some people can um, have the aptitude for math. Some are good in writing. They, you see that they develop, I mean, even our own children, right? They have oh, developed yeah. at the same time. And I think as a, as a, as parents, as, a, as educators, is trying to uh, help them to develop. Mm -hmm. I mean, sometimes you could uh, frustrate the kids because they are not ready yet. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you could bore a, a kid because they want to know more, right? And I think that's, uh, the, the the home education give them that environment they can do uh they can do that and yeah, exactly. uh, yeah I, I see a pro uh, a mistake uh, some parents does when they homeschool their kids they are trying to bring in the school into their home yes follow the same right exactly the, yeah it, i've Try to tell people like don't recreate school at home. <laughs> That's why I actually don't love the term homeschooling. Right, it still right. has the word school. Right. And so it's I kind of school, prefer right? something like, you know, home-based education or something right. along those lines. Because we also aren't always sitting at home. Right. You know, very often. I mean, there are some online programs. My kids are in an online program, but um, for most of what they do, but when they're young, especially when they're young, you want them out in the world. That's how they get that sense of context of like, what, right. why am I doing all of this? Right. And they also meet people and they see, you know, all kinds of things and, you know, right. libraries, museums, so forth. So it's not even happening all at home. No, um, definitely so. not. Yeah. And then that's where you can take them to, to shop, right? Groceries and all that. And then 
gave a math some lesson. Money. Yeah, give them money to deal with the, yeah. the dimes and quarters. And kids love that. They do. Yeah. yeah. Or they you tell them what the budget is walking in and then ask them to look at the prices and add everything right. up right. in their heads. Um, or on a piece of paper, I would have my two kids were different age. Right. And so one was able to do things in her head. I told her, I said, you can round up, but right. I want you to make sure that we're within our budget. So round up yeah. and add it up in your head. And right. then the other one was sitting and writing on a little piece of paper, <laughs> like doing her, you know, carry the one, right. whatever, right. which they don't even teach anymore. So, mm. um, and they had a great time. They were my helpers. Right. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. Can we get more food? You guys, do I have enough money? So you can make a game out of it, but they're, that's something though, that will, people will say, well, Dr. Ping, this all sounds wonderful. And they say it to me all the time, you know, but I, I have to work. I have to do this, I have to do that. So I understand you're looking at possibly trying to form a school or you're trying to form a model of a school or something, or am I misunderstanding? Oh, uh, yeah. I'm trying to actually, uh, uh, experiment, uh, with like micro school. Mm -hmm. And so basically mm -hmm. that was kind of, uh, a teacher and a dozen students. Mm -hmm. And uh, but the teacher's per, uh, role is more as a uh, a guide, mm -hmm. uh, as a coach kind of role, mm -hmm. uh, and, and uh, the kids are, um, so the, so that so the teachers can guide the student to learn on their own, mm -hmm. and I think that's a very important skill we need to teach to the students is the ability to learn on their own. And uh, when I was teaching at uh, 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 my former school is that most of my students, um, they just wait there. Uh, yeah. You have to teach them. They don't bother to open a book and to read it to I mean, to, they, 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 they don't even, uh, I don't think they are able to actually study on their own. No. So that's kind of sad. I think. Well, and that's why the student led approach in the public school doesn't work because you no. can't ask a child to do something you've that you've never even shown them how to do or encouraged them to do or modeled for them to have to do it's just you know like go teach yourself bye i'll be over here and it's you can't no, there is a process and right. it has to start early right right yeah i mean the student uh lad uh teaching whatever we tried that during the cultural revolution that didn't work no <laughs> yeah <laughs> because most kids don't know, right? Especially they don't have a, a, a good uh, home environment or community environment. So they really cannot. Uh, I mean, I'd also, uh, the reason the teachers are trained is really help them to know more than the, the student, right? So they can guide the student. You would um, hope. <laughs> yeah, you would hope. Uh, would be right. the goal. <laughs> right, yeah. So, so, so this way, kind, I'm kind of, thinking about like people who love to teach I and mean, they're still right. And, but then they have their own school and, uh, and uh, their interest is tied with the success of the students, right? So they have a stake on the, the su success of students. So that's why, mm -hmm. you know, they, they, they can uh, right. work. I think fundamentally, like we talk about that is the, how we look at each person, right? From a Christian, uh, uh, Judeo-Christian uh, perspective is that everyone uh, is, a, uh, is a sinner. And also we do work for our own self-interest. 
And uh, even though there are people who can be selfish and all that, but you cannot count on that uh, at the society. It's, I mean, that's what capitalism is, right? It's based on that recognition that everybody is working for their own interest. Right. And that's actually a good assumption to, to base on is that everybody is good. And, you know, especially the people on the top are good. Uh, the, right. the central planners, they are, you know, they work for the people. And, and I've work. learned the hard way that not everyone is even working in their rational self-interest as we see. Right. Right. You know, it's uh, very often they're not, they kind of are living in the state of the constant present. In other words, what do I, what do I need to do? Like right now, but they forget that there's that to really serve your rational self-interest, you have to think a few steps ahead right. yeah. and think about the possible outcomes of your decision. Right. So so in this way that uh, in this kind of school, like one teacher, 12 kids, you could get more, you get 20, but mm -hmm. still it's more the teacher is more guy, it's kind of like a coach, is trying sure. to find out each individual student, their mm -hmm. talents and mm -hmm. their development stage, and then kind of design a uh, kind of like a, a, a study plan or curriculum for each individual student. But the students are more or less kind of learn on their own. Uh, right. And also you facilitate that. Um, but that's one uh, one type of school. You could, you could have other type of schools. Uh, but I think we need to have those, um, for the parents, have those um, choices out there, right? Right. Let's get back to like what makes... Americans so, I mean, so powerful and so strong, so rich is because we have this free market system, right? And we compete so the mm -hmm. customers can choose. And so if we can provide different uh, choices of the school, I mean, different kinds of schools, then that is only good for the parents. So if you cannot right. homeschool, then you can enroll your kids to kind of micro school. Mm -hmm. uh, and of course, you can even do like uh, um, homeschool co-ops and all that. I think right. we are so still like a kind of, blend. Yeah, yeah, we are still kind of in the, this experimental stage and trying to figure out which one works. And and I think you're going to just like in the uh, free market, you're going to have you have different uh, uh, companies to serve different needs, right? With different people, mm -hmm. you're going to see all those models out there. And right. I think just, well, I hope that, I mean, I'm trying to, because as a teacher and I, I do know a lot of good teachers who want to teach, I want to find a way uh, for them. If they cannot teach in a public school, what can they do, right? Sure. Trying yeah. to kind of help them create their own. Um, right. And and yeah. become and become entrepreneurs in their right. own right on that. Yeah, yeah I agree. Um, so I want to, 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 kind of help us like wrap it all up for the audience and, and, and tie it up in a bow. Um, if you were giving advice to parents right now, if somebody's coming to you and saying, you know, Dr. Ping, this is going on my child's school. They're in sixth grade already, et cetera, so forth. And I just don't know what to do. Do you think it is bad enough or um, dangerous enough for their child, harmful enough that they should really do whatever they can to get them out? Or do you think there's some way to help your child while they're still in the current system? Uh, I would, uh, uh, well, it's kind of like, if I make a blank kind of statement, because there are mm -hmm. going to be- uh, Obviously there are exceptions, but I'm saying if you were, if you just had to generalize. Yeah, I, will, I will say that just 
pull your kids out from the public schools uh, and uh, either homeschool or you know find a homeschool co-op or and uh, even uh, like right now if you send them to private school I still kind of you still want to make sure mm-hmm. your your child got good education but from yeah, what we- I know so far the best way is just homeschool right because the the yeah. NAIS has captured has been captured so at least 1600 private schools in America are all right, we know for a fact or yeah, woke, right. and then the rest we don't know. You'd have to investigate. Right. And, but... and also, again, they are based on 3.0, right? It's kind of outdated. Uh, it, exactly. Even uh, the good no, ones are still that way. Right, but there right. are some classical, there are a few classical charters I know that are decent. I and mean, obviously, Hillsdale has um, their model. So that would be certainly preferable to the standard private school. The challenge, especially for those in rural areas, as I learned the other day from Robert Pondicio, is you know, school choice is has no meaning if you live in a rural area. That right. there's the school. That's it. It's the center of the mm. community. And so it's that or homeschooling. Those are those are basically your options. And um, so that's where it can be very challenging. But I I still, if someone asked me that question, I'd probably still encourage them to find, you know, some friends and put together a little micro school, put together right. a co-op. Right. Um, and you know you can do it or you can find people who can help you. Right. Um, right. To give you advice. But, uh, but I was curious because um, it's a, it's a tough thing, you know, right. People, I'm sure you get asked this question a lot. Well, okay. I've heard you and you make a lot of sense and, and now I'm really worried, but <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so now. Yeah. You, you, to me, uh, it's in a way, it's kind of like uh, uh house on fire right yeah what are they going to do take them out first then figure out what to do later yeah right, right now, it, it's kind of like that right the, the kids are really uh in the harm's way mm, and, and even before the before the like the vogue and the crt thing and what i find in school that almost all of them hate the subjects they learned yeah. so basically uh in a way, it's very harmful to their intellectual development because they are not going to, right? They are not going to learn those things anymore because they they had enough, which is is harmful enough. But now it's even worse. Now, not only they don't learn anything, they are learning all kinds of, you know, uh, sexual orientations and those pornographic materials. And then they are learning uh, you know, try to blame the society, blame the parents, and right. uh, they are trying to really, uh, in the name of building a uh, a better society, they are they are being encouraged, you know, to go, you know, to destroy things. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah. So now, someone, someone in our chat asked earlier. Um, she is in the Indiana, Indianapolis area, I believe, or in Indiana specifically. Mm. Are there in-person places or ways that she can help with this that you know of, or do you know of any um, people hands-on working on these things, like in your area specifically in Indiana or anywhere for that matter, but it's specifically in Indiana. Well, if you need the help with homeschooling, I I know uh, uh, a lady that, um, I mean, I can 
how do I, I don't know how do I contact that, share the information. I know. Um, well, what we can do is I, I mean, I can put something, you know, information about how to contact people, you know, in your area in the description mm -hmm. box after the show. Okay. Um, but I think what she wants to volunteer and make a difference. I think what she's saying oh, is okay. not so much receive help, but give help. Like oh, how wonderful. could she actually do something and, you know, help with this? Because I do get asked that question pretty frequently. I mean, sometimes it's in a particular location. Other times it's other areas. People say I'm retired or I'm semi-retired and I used to teach math or I'm really good at math or I'm really yeah. good at science or history. I love talking about history. What would you recommend I do to get connected with parents who are trying to do what you want them to do? What do you yeah, think I, they should do right now? Right. I have a, a Facebook group. It's called the Micro School Initiative. Okay. Uh, so, and, uh, um, I think, uh, if she can join that group, then we can talk about that. I'm still trying to find the people that we can, uh, you know, work together and make right. this happen. Right. Because even, you know, this is for the audience, as I just described, if you're a person who has a, a passion about learning or, or maybe you know how to help people with study skills, or you know how to even just do research, one of the things that Dr. Ping is talking about is, you know, if parents want to create a micro school, the first question, aside from how do I find the other people to do it with me, right, mm -hmm. is, well, now I want to find a qualified teacher or I want to find the qualified adults to deal with it. Those qualifications are going to be different than hiring a school teacher. You're right. looking for somebody, as he said, who, first of all, has a great deal of respect for the learning process and for children, a great deal of respect for parents' goals and rights and really good at what I would call business analysis, but you're not applying to a business, you're applying to education. Like, mm. what are you looking for? What do you right. want? So they're gathering requirements like you would do when you were an engineer and then really good research skills to go out and find, you know what? I found a great physics teacher for your senior, you know, your AP physics um, student. They do operate in a virtual environment. However, I will be here to make sure everything's going okay. I vetted them. I looked at their resume. I looked at their curriculum. It matches your goals uh, while they're, you know, they can be in class while I'm sitting here at the ready for any questions, or you can do it at home. You know, so it's like, you need a consultant who can just help match you. You are the micro school helps you provide that sort of social environment of there are other people I'm studying with and right, right. The, the, the teacher provides study tips, study mm -hmm. help mostly, but they're individual instructors. If they need instruction, you can find that's everywhere. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. they're all over the place yeah, for specific and, subjects. Right. I think they're uh, also, I know a couple of people who actually help uh, connect parents with teachers uh, right. So they, they have those kind of service out there. Right. And right. Uh, uh, and also for parents, um, sometimes parents consider that, well, I'm not qualified to teach and all that. Um, but I always like to say that that your, your kids are not learning anything in public school. Right. You're more so, qualified than what they have right now. Don't, don't worry because about you know your child, which yeah. makes you a step ahead. Exactly. <laughs> and also, you know your child. You know the best about yeah, your child. Yeah, you know and, the best. And... Uh, Right. And and uh, and also if you can teach them the basic three R's, right, reading, uh, writing and arithmetic, then you are good. You actually your, your kids are kind of ahead than uh, most high school graduates, because uh, sadly, nowadays, most high school graduates, they are basically illiterate. Yeah. Yeah. Are. But once, even I if think, they can decode. I think right. people get confused because they're saying, but they can read. I'm like, 
they can look at a word and tell you what the word says. That doesn't mean they know what the word means. Right. And it doesn't mean they comprehend everything they just read in context. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the, I think nowadays uh, what happens is a lot of students do not have the cultural context to help them understand. That is right. Correct. Because they never lived in, never in the real world. They just like go to school, then go back home, sleep. So they, they in the past, people work in the farm, they work in, you know, family business. So they have that context for the knowledge. So we, mm -hmm. when they learn something, there's context. Nowadays, they don't. They learn something which is totally out of context. They don't mm -hmm. really, like, like for, for instance, like your kids go to shopping with you, right? They, they know, they feel, they, they touch the money, they calculate the money. They have that, right? But a lot of kids don't have that. Then so when you teach them like math, they just totally out of context to them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So right. true. So yeah, I think, uh, uh, to I guess to the parents, don't worry I me. Mean, I think most parents nowadays can teach three R's, right? Reading, I, writing, I agree. And if they and, have that, yeah, as you said, they're they're ahead of the game. And that's what they, they, that's the foundation for ultimately. Right. And, and then kids can learn on their own. Exactly. I mean, a lot of people say, even today's student, I, I mean, they don't they don't want to learn in school definitely but they learn anything right they, they learn everything through either social media or youtube the they kids learn pretty fast how, and they're, they're pretty smart how, yeah yeah Which they're really means, smart technologically right. it's just they're not culturally for all the discussion about cultural competency and right. cultural literacy they're actually culturally illiterate in western culture in right. the culture of reason and logic and the enlightenment ideals and everything no right. they have absolutely no idea what any of that is and uh that's our problem is they fundamentally they have no knowledge or understanding of what you went through and i really believe if they did they would not be so receptive to what's being done to them. Right, they would push exactly. back instead of embracing it with both hands. So, um, you know, yeah. I think it's, it's this good information right. and um, your book, I, I want to make sure, as I said in the beginning, and for those who are tuning in on the replay, just to remind you, the uh, book is our children are not prepared. So that's another one that I think would be great to read if you're wondering specifically like what Dr. Ping is talking about, about not prepared. And then also to, I, I want to make sure people follow you on your YouTube channel, which is the taking back, um, education. Right. And, um, is there any place else I can direct people to, to follow your work? You have the Patreon, I think, which is, uh, connected to your channel, correct? Uh, not connect to the channel. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I do have a uh, uh, Substack. Uh, oh, you do have a Substack uh, now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Right. Good. Mm -hmm. Um. So that's great. So you can look for Dr. Ping on, on Substack. Um. I just I want to I really want to thank you for spending all this time with us today because this is a this is a dense topic. Um. <laughs> and it is, you know, there as I said, there are a lot of people who sort of instinctively know something isn't right. Mm -hmm. but very few people have the courage to put a fine point on it as you have. So very few people will say, they'll say something like, well, it's too political. There's too much politics in the classroom or there's this or there's that, or they're not learning math the right way. So they kind of mm -hmm. piecemeal it. And I think what you've done for us today is explain how it's part of a whole philosophical way of looking at education. That is the problem that it's not, it's not just the curriculum <laughs> 
right. it's the entire the Gramsci, you know, kind of goal of tearing down the world and remaking it in some kind of other way. And that's a that's a message I think people are taking a long time to digest because it's scary. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's yeah. it's it's a really frustrating thing. But here you are and you had to actually live through it in real life. You know, it's not <laughs> yeah. it wasn't theoretical. Yeah. It wasn't this thing might happen. I'm living it. And um, and we need we need more people like you. <laughs> we need more people to tell us the truth. I try to do it myself, but um, it's almost like we just need more voices more often because they've got millions of them. Mm -hmm. saying what they're saying and very few of us. So I hope those of you watching today who've heard Dr. Ping mm -hmm. will feel more courageous and empowered to go and stand up for yourselves as parents or educators and say some of the th same things he's saying. Right. Um, yeah. And, and also, like, I mean, uh, well, first of all, appreciate uh, to give me a chance to talk with you. Uh, and, absolutely. Uh, and also, like, uh, uh, you are can you homeschool your kids and all that. I think. Uh, American parents need to realize that the the most important thing is to educate their children. Yeah. Right. I mean, their career and uh, making money or have a big house, those are secondary. Right. So, right. I mean, uh, I, I think there's one thing about the Chinese culture I appreciate, uh, which in a way is kind of similar to Jewish culture, is that the Chinese parents... Uh, Put up, I mean, are waiting to sacrifice for the children's education. Uh, they can spend all kinds of money uh, so that mm -hmm. kids get a better education. Um, I think uh, that, in a way, I think in just like in America, uh, we got so used to like the government taking care of us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, so now yeah. they become like, uh, I don't want to spend money on on tutoring. I don't want to spend money send my private school. I think. Mm -hmm consider everything right i mean yeah very definitely true. The, your, the, our children's education that's where we need to spend money on or we'll spend our time on right the effort right it's and they're almost the same thing because people say well i have to go to work so i can get the money and it's like well calculate the opportunity cost right of sacrificing you know what is your child losing rather than gaining, you know, maybe you have, like you said, a bigger house or you go on vacation or something, but is that worth it? You know, right. what are the, because it's not just the bad stuff. It's what they're missing out on. So right. when you eat a steady diet of junk food, it's not just that you're consuming a lot of sugar, which is bad for you. It's that you're missing all of those essential nutrients. Right. So exactly. it's, it's, it, it, it's both sides. And right now that's what we see with our kids is it's not, you know, people say, well, I'll just, you know, deprogram them at home with better ideas. First of all, good luck with that. Second of all, you can't force feed your child good, you know, intellectual nutrition no. if they aren't emotionally and mentally prepared to eat it. It's literally right. like trying to get a 13 year old to eat vegetables. Right. You, you literally can't do it. They won't, if they won't do it, they won't do it. And then you're stuck. So if you start, <laughs> if you start early, um, you don't have to become a tyrant and end up, you know, wrecking your relationship with your kid, trying to get them to be healthy. So, um, yeah, I mean, I obviously you and I are in complete agreement on all of this. Um, but I, re I hope sometime in the future we'll have you back and you can update us on what's happening. I hope people watching will go to the Facebook group again. That is um, the Micro School Initiative. Yeah. And so if you have help to offer, if you have ideas, if you know anything, if you need help go there 
and join the group and just become part of this movement. Obviously, I also um, am working on similar things to Dr. Pink, yeah. although at a, a different level. I'm more at the grassroots, like, um, you know, par parent to parent kind of level. But if you need coaching in this regard, even I can help you through my locals right. community at thereasonwelearn.locals.com. So yeah. um, whatever it takes. Let's get it done, right, Dr. Ping? Yeah, exactly. Or oh, just uh, one, one last thing. Like, uh, sure. I'm, I'm in the process of writing my second book. Ooh, uh, it's called A, Spect A Specter is Hunting America. <gasps> uh, so like in the uh, Communist Manifesto, the first sentence is A Specter is Hunting Europe, right? And the specter of communism. And so they didn't even hide it. So <laughs> it's no, a good it's true. It's fair, and I, right? I picture it like the Dementors, mm -hmm. the Dementors. I don't know if you've ever read the book, A Wrinkle in Time. No. Okay. Well, I commend it to you. It's a, it's a children's okay. book, but it's a Newbery, Newbery medal winner. And I think you will love it. Okay. Um, it's called a Wrinkle in Time by Madeline Langle and um, a sort of sci-fi a little bit. And the, it was written in the sixties. But the concept is that a father is trapped on a planet where they have, quote, given up, given in. And uh -huh. the thing they've given into is called it. And it basically takes over the minds of people and th does their thinking for them. They don't need to make any decisions. They don't need to do anything. They just give over their mind to it. And then they are all, quote, equal. They right. are all. So it's almost like. Harrison Bergeron, but you know, like stretched out and expanded on and with some other themes in there it's, but the descriptions of how it's happening and what's going on and what's going on in the minds of the people, I, it gives you chills mm. when you read it, because obviously, you know, it's sort of sci-fi for children, but it's the kind of book children should be reading when they're 10 right. years old, because right. it's not heavy handed and saying bad things are going to happen. It's just this subtle thing in the story that most kids, I'm tutoring some children who are reading it and they figured it out on their own. Like, mm. no, this is bad. And, you know, they're taking over their mind and they can't think for themselves. And I'm like, very good. That's good. My yeah. done. You know, like, yeah. so, I mean, it sounds like I'm trying to indoctrinate. I'm not trying to indoctrinate. I'm trying to get the children through literature to think about certain kinds right. of values and concepts that we do want to pass to them, which is the exactly. individual thought, you know, is important. And that's, you know, that's the kind of thing um, that isn't happening in school because they're so busy working on this cultural Marxism piece. Right, they right. don't, they don't work on that. Yeah. So and, anyway, and I just I thought think, you'd like that book. <laughs> definitely. And also you say something which I think is very, uh, very, very profound in terms of the way you teach the, the, the your student, you let them to came up come up to that conclusion right you you let them you know to to make that connection i think that's what teaching is but right. in school you don't have that it's always right. hand down to you i mean here is a conclusion right uh -uh. whether or not you like it but i asked where... them just to pull out i said what you know when it's the last chapter where this really started to settle in and so we're like near the end of the book and i said um pick out a part of this chapter that really stood out to you that made you start to understand what's going on with the characters and the story, whatever. And I was so impressed. One is nine and one is 11. And they uh, actually, the nine-year-old um, pulled out a paragraph that, you know, I was like hoping and you're just sitting there like, I wonder what she's going to pick. Right. And she picked out that particular paragraph where they were describing what was going on. And 
I was so amazed. I said, what do you think that means? And why is she saying that? And mm -hmm. she stumbled a little bit at first. And then I asked a couple more questions. And after I asked a couple more questions, she's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like she yeah. it, like she was thinking as she was going. And then it all came out. And I couldn't help myself. I couldn't help myself. I was like, yes. I actually yes. threw my arms yeah. up in the air. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, I said, that is great thinking. That is really good thinking. That is, uh, you know, you're, you're really thinking through. And I said, do you think that Charles Wallace would have been allowed to do the thinking you just did? Hmm. And she's like, no way, no way you would be allowed. And I said, there yeah. you go. Yeah. And so that's, that's how I try to do it. I try to, you know, kind of like, like little strands, like right, right. pull it out. But you have to ask leading questions. Like, what do you think about this? And elaborate, tell me more, right, tell exactly. me more, yep. you know, but it it's not done that much. There's so much more intent on putting an idea, putting an mm -hmm. idea. I actually trust in little children. I think they're mm -hmm. born individualists. Most of them, you see oh, a yeah. toddler, they're born individualists. So I, I trust that when you put truth in front of them, facts, truth, the kinds of principles that we hold dear, they will get there. They will, mm -hmm. they'll, they'll, they'll figure it out. It might take a little time. And right. if they don't, and I told my locals members yesterday, I said, if they don't come to it on their own, but they were given the tools mm -hmm. to discover it on their own later, some other right. time that how yeah. to study, how to learn. Thomas Sowell himself was a Marxist until he started working for the government. Right. And then when he said, hey, this doesn't work in real life. No. He's, and, and this is a genius. This is a man who had so much knowledge in his right. head. So when you have the tools and you appreciate empiricism, you will still figure it out. You don't have right. to figure it out day one. So I've told parents like, don't worry. It's okay if they've gotten some bad idea, but if you give them the foundation for arriving at good ideas and love them through it, you know, let them know that you're not going to change your mind about them because you disagree. Mm -hmm. You're also modeling the kind of liberty you want them to allow other people. Right. Right. That it's, yep. it's, it's okay. If we disagree, we have a different, right. I still love you, but I, I hold what I hold dear and right. I'm not going to change. Right. I'm not exactly. going to sacrifice that. And no one's modeling that for them either. Mm -hmm. So at a minimum, you can model that kind of the real kind of diversity and tolerance. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, um, but I think I, you know, like I said, I, I just, I'm so grateful and I really hope we can keep in touch on going and yeah, definitely. And, you know, share ideas because we are committed to the same cause. And, um, and I think, I think we're going to get there. I just, you know, it's like anything else, a work in progress, but we just have to keep explaining it, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so thank you to everyone well, who shared this time with us. Is there any last, any last thing you want to say, Dr. Ping? Uh, no. Well, thank you very much. Thank okay. You. You're so welcome. Thank you, everybody. Again, the replay will be available immediately and I will see you next time. Bye-bye.